the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. A yearly tradition. We wrap up with Mannheim Steamroller and Silent Night, and my ongoing attempts to thank everybody in the audience, all of you, for everything you mean to me. That last call. Um, that's reminds me how much I love all of you, how much I so appreciate everything you've meant to me and my family. You don't have any idea how I know so many people think this program has changed their lives for the better. You have no idea what you all have meant to me and my family. The day is going to come, folks, where I'm not going to be able to do this. I don't know when that is. I want to be able to do it for as long as I want to do it. I want to... But the day will come where I'm not going to be able to. And I want you to understand that even when the day comes, I'd like to be here. And that day was today. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K. Show. I probably shouldn't have gone with that clip. I had second thoughts about it because it just chokes me up. And you know, I have never, I can't recall in my life ever shedding a tear over somebody I've never met before, except on 9-11. Of course, I shed tears for many of our fellow Americans and and those that lost their lives on 9-11. Um, but in, in terms of a celebrity, you know, a, a politician or an actor, I've never, a, a musician, I have never in my life cried over somebody that I've, that I've never met before, but he was more than just a radio host to many of us. He's actually somebody, in my opinion, who actually should be an entire book should be written about him and presented in history classes across this country which we know won't, won't happen because we know, at least not now, we know the state of our school systems. But he was a man, I think he touched the lives and the hearts of so many people for many reasons that go far beyond whether or not of anything that has to do with his opinions or being an icon for the conservative movement. And many today, I feel like, have rightfully credited him for what he brought to the conservative movement, what he did for conservative media, and what he did for, you know, um, his impact on elections and even his impact on on the Trump administration. But more than that, he had impacts on he had his impact was on many, many Americans in this country. And I would love to hear from you tonight the impact 
that you believe that he might have had on you. 888-344-1170. Throughout the show, I'm going to talk about some ways, and I think that that he impacted Americans beyond just being a voice, uh, a brilliant, the most brilliant, most articulate voice of conservatism in the history of the United States. And there will never be, in spite of his legacy of leaving uh, a built from the, you know, off of his hands and his effort, the conservative media today, in spite of that, there will never be another Rush Limbaugh. Fortunately, uh, his work will live on in the legacy of other, of other talkers like myself. Um, again, 888-344-1170. Of course, I got to bring in my man. Oh, coming up in a little bit, we've got Matt Boyle from Breitbart is going to be here. Of course, Breitbart is, you know, uh, one of the most successful conservative media outlets that was born out of, out of Rush Limbaugh as well. So Matt Boyle will be here to talk about that and more. Uh, I got to bring in my buddy here, DJ Potato Skins. Sad day for sure. Sad yeah. day. Rush meant a lot to a lot of people, maybe even more than 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 he realizes. And uh, it's definitely a sad day in this nation. Yeah, the clip that I played, um, I've been dreading this day for a while. The clip that I that I opened the show with was on a day. And when I heard that, I thought that that was him saying goodbye to us. Uh, permanently. And I actually mentioned on Facebook, I said, who's listening to Rush right now? Because it sure sounded like his final goodbye. And I believe now that he actually thought that it was. And I think it came as a surprise to him that I think maybe after a couple of weeks off in December that he was able to continue with his treatments and, and get enough energy to come back and do what he loves. There's so much that he uh, that's a part of his legacy. Just think about that for a moment. At a time, and I actually penned a, a couple of weeks ago. I read some of of, of something that that he he um, wrote for Trump, and he said, "My days on Earth are numbered." And, and he did a he did a missive to Trump in which he thanked Trump for for so much. And I kind of did a version of that uh, today for him. And I talked about the fact in a world which celebrates laziness and entitlement, he could have been resting and focusing on his healing, but he kept working. Thank you for showing us, Rush Limbaugh, what work ethic is. He could have. He could have. Look at how much money he had. He was diagnosed last year with stage four cancer, yet he kept coming in and coming to work. And he did that. And one of the reasons why I played that clip was because it was gratitude. Gratitude for his listeners and his fans and, and the love that he had for them and the love that he had for this country. That is such an inspiration to me. Right. And, you know, uh, and something else I was thinking of today. He lived he, he lived in a constant state of gratitude. I would like to see more gratitude. From how many Americans what, what should be mentioned in, in one of the in, in the history book about him? Let's talk about a man who come from humble beginnings in Missouri, didn't go to college, had a dream for radio, for a talk radio industry that really didn't even exist at that time. And only through his hard work and his dedication and his ambition was he able to actually build the entire conservative media movement basically was born out of out of his radio show. I was just going to say, he made talk radio what it is today. And not just, we're talking about Sean Hannity. We're talking about Mark Levin. We're talking about Glenn Beck. You think of, and, and, and think about not all just the, at many of the talk national uh, talk radio shows that we have here at Salem. And then and then as, as the internet grew and blossomed, all the conservative media outlets that we saw emerge from uh, the different, from Breitbart and Town Hall and even all the YouTubers out there. Think about Fox News. Would Fox News be what it is? Look at all the conservative outlets out there. But let me tell you, not only that, 
But there are many of you today on the left that are hating on Rush Limbaugh. Maybe you should be saying a thank you because many, many of, of those on the left in media only have a job because their job to counter the conservative movement wouldn't happen but for Rush Limbaugh. Or how about all the businesses? How about all the jobs created? There, the history book should be talking about him as, first of all, an example of the American dream. And how only in America could this man without a college degree from humble beginnings in Missouri could work hard and achieve what he achieved in this country. I'm telling you, it couldn't happen anywhere else because only in America do we have the capitalist system combined with the free the, the First Amendment rights for him to be able to do it. Right. Then the history book should be talking about the fact how on top of that, the, his economic contribution to this nation. I haven't really heard anybody talking about that today. You don't think that that uh, Rush Limbaugh and his radio show helped you? I guarantee you it did. It, because the, think of the millions of Americans who are working all across this country, not even just within. Everybody thinks that it has to do with jobs specific to the radio industry. But let me tell you, anybody who was a sponsor of a show or worked for a sponsor of a show. See, this is something the left doesn't understand when they try to take down, they try to cancel conservative talkers everything's connected everything's connected and they don't appreciate the fact that if you ever had a job or you know somebody who had a job at snapple rush limbaugh put them on the map practically made snapple how many how many apple cell phones did rush limbaugh sell he was such a lover of that technology anybody any any company that he endorsed sold like gangbusters because people trusted him because people trusted him and that's the way it is also with all the other talk radio people out there who, when they endorse the sponsor, you have no idea how your life might have benefited because of Rush Limbaugh. His economic contribution alone should have him be declared by everybody in this country today as an American patriot, but it won't. Why? Because of his political views. I chose to ignore a lot of what the left was saying today. Because you know what? If you're such a ghoul, not only have I never cried before in this way for somebody I've never met, I've also never celebrated the death of anybody except Osama bin Laden. So I cried on 9-11 for people I didn't know in the media because like Barbara Olson. I've cried for people I didn't know before. But the reason why I'm talking about 9-11 is because I, I cried for Barbara Olson, who was a political commentator who got on the phone and called her husband, Ted Olson, who was, who was a solicitor general at the time. I cried for her, never met her. Um, and, and the only time I've ever celebrated a death was Osama bin Laden. So, you know, if you're celebrating the death of Rush Limbaugh today, you're too much of a ghoul to, for me to, to, to bother with you. I can't, I can't even fathom anybody yeah, doing that. I can't, even, I can't even be bothered with somebody like that. But let me tell you, you're all proving Rush Limbaugh right today with everything that he said about the left. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to bring in Matt Boyle from Breitbart. We're going to talk, uh, get his perspective on Rush Limbaugh. We also got to talk about uh, some other news. We're going to continue to talk about Rush throughout the show and then also share with you guys uh, some breaking news that's happening uh, today. 888-344-1170 if you want to call in and talk about uh, Rush and remember him in any way. Thank you. Stay tuned. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. A-K, Dynamite and Address, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Glad to have you guys here with me tonight on this incredibly important day. A sad day. 
uh, for I think it should be considered a sad day for all of America because we lost an American icon and institution institution today who did as much for non-conservatives with his economic, uh, you know, as I talked about before the show, his economic contribution to this country as he did for conservatives. And instead of celebrating his death, many of you on the left should just say thank you. Um, I'm grateful to have uh, my guest with me tonight, uh, Matt Boyle from Breitbart, uh, here with me, who um, Breitbart was one of the, the outlets that I mentioned in the open of the, of the show that was born out of the Rush, what Rush Limbaugh's contribution was to the growth of the conservative media movement. And Matt is the editor out of D.C., and he joins me now. Hey, Matt Boyle, welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Hey, Andrew, thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure to be here. And yeah, it's sad to see uh, Rush, the news about Rush today. Um, I mean, look, he, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for Rush Limbaugh. He converted Andrew Breitbart. It was him personally, uh, his books and his radio show that converted Andrew Breitbart to being a conservative from being a liberal when he was growing up. And it was Andrew Breitbart that converted me. So uh, I wouldn't be, uh, you know, I've now been a, uh, in, in the conservative movement in Washington and, uh, for, for over a decade and uh, fighting the left uh, and exposing them. Uh, I wouldn't have been doing this. There's so many other people that uh, their lives have been affected by this. As I mentioned, Andrew Breitbart, our founder here at Breitbart News, converted by uh, Rush Limbaugh. And uh, uh, the, the, just the legacy that he leaves behind, uh, uh, he's a titan of the movement, and all of us are here because of him. Right. And what exactly was it? That because I mean he had su- obviously he had such a, an ability to articulate conservatism and individual freedom and liberty and his his sense of humor and his charm and his charisma goes without saying I mean one of my favorite things he said was you know beating liberals with half my brain <laughs> tied behind my back I mean the guy was an absolute genius but what specifically was it that turned Breitbart and then you. Well, I mean, in particular with Andrew Breitbart, it was uh, uh, it, it was his book. So Andrew was a lefty, and mm-hmm. he just never really thought about why. He never actually listened to Rush Limbaugh's show. Uh, and his father-in-law, Orson Bean, we put up the excerpt on Breitbart.com today from Andrew's book, and people can go read it there. Uh, but uh, Andrew's father-in-law, Orson Bean, a uh, major big-time conservative, right, mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. in Hollywood, um, uh, who passed away, uh, I think, last year or the year before. I forget exactly when it was. Um, um, uh, in a horrific car accident. But the uh, Orson Bean uh, challenged Andrew. was like, well, have you ever listened to the guy? Andrew said he thought he was mm-hmm. a Nazi and racist and so on and so forth. And, uh, and, and he's like, have you ever listened to the guy? Andrew lies, says, yeah, I listened to him. And then Orson's like, well, do me a favor. Listen to him again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because, Andrew, because Orson had, uh, this whole conversation happened because Orson had Rush's book sitting on his desk. Um so then, next thing you know, Andrew actually starts listening to Rush. He listens for a day, you know, that turns into a week, that turns into a month. Mm-hmm. And he really starts rethinking through mm-hmm. uh, the, the liberalism that was, uh, you know, imbued into him in college and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. For me, it, was, uh, it wasn't necessarily Rush, it was Andrew. Mm-hmm. was a big part of the reason why I was converted. Uh, I converted to right. Uh, same kind of a thing. I grew up in a, you know, the not most political household. Uh, and, and then in 2010, we had the rise of the Tea Party movement. There were these Tea Party rallies that were going on around the country. And I was a journalism student in college, just graduated in 2010. And, um, 
uh, was looking for reporter work, and you know uh, these Seabury rallies are happening everywhere, and I keep hearing about it on NPR, which is what I was used to listen to when I was in college on my way to school and back, uh, about how they're all a bunch of racists, and so <laughs> I just decided one day to go out to one of these Tea Party rallies. Um, look for all the racists. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find them. I found people <laughs> who were concerned about their country. Yeah, uh, I ended up doing a whole, whole story on it uh, for the Daily Caller, and that was my first published piece there. Uh, and then I ended up working there for two and a half years, and then I came. Uh, that's when I met Andrew Breitbart just a few months later, uh, and uh, I worked with him very closely. And then eventually, after he passed away, I came over to work at uh, at the company that he founded. Well, I'm glad. However, uh, I, I thank, I, I'm thankful that Andrew Breitbart had a heart to listen to his father-in-law and actually listen to Rush because Orson Bean was so correct when he when he was saying that. I mean, you know, there's HuffPo today put out a piece, the bigoted guy. Most of the people. Who criticize him never heard a show. They have no. Just like people would back when Fox News was actually conservative and the left was calling him faux news. They'd never even listened to Hannity. They'd never even watched Fox News. They were just believing what they were told to believe. And so it says a lot actually about Breitbart that he was willing to actually listen and and, and have an open mind. Right. That's what the left is supposed to be about. Um, I was a little concerned today when I, I not concerned, but I was surprised when I saw a couple of conservatives, supposedly conservatives today, Matt Boyle, saying that with Russia's passing. So goes the conservative media and the conservative movement. And I'm like, oh, hold up. Okay. There will never be another Rush Limbaugh. He was uniquely talented, uniquely brilliant, uniquely charismatic and funny. But the conservative media and conservative movement lives on through Breitbart, through me, through Levin and all the other rest of us out there, as well as the 75 million voters who showed up for Trump, more showed up for Trump in 2020 than in 2016. The conservative movement is here to stay, isn't it? I, I couldn't agree more. The, 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 of course, the conservative movement's here to stay. The, 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 the path has been blazed here by, by Rush Limbaugh, by these titans who came before us, by people like Andrew Breitbart. Uh, all of us here, uh, look, Breitbart has, is an institution now. We have dozens of reporters working not just around America, around the country, and everywhere from Washington, D.C. to Los Angeles to Texas, uh, uh, from coast to coast, all over the country, in New York, uh, everywhere, uh, down in Florida. Uh, but we have, uh, we have, we have uh, reporters around the world. We have a London Bureau. We have a Jerusalem Bureau. We have a Rome Bureau. We have a Rome Bureau. Uh, Breitbart is an institution. Uh, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. We're only getting stronger. Uh, we have tens of millions of unique visitors that come to our website. Uh, uh, we have our radio properties as well. Uh, our social media pages are, are huge, and we're we're in the process of expanding as well. So uh, the idea that um, in, in looking at other uh, platforms and, and, and efforts to uh, to build on the success that we have, so that, no, like right. that's just not. Same, of course, we're right. we're going places. And by the way, seventy five million people voted for Donald Trump uh, in this last election on November 3rd. Those people know that the establishment media isn't telling the truth. They know that what Rush Limbaugh was saying is the truth. They also know that that the New York Times, the Washington Post, the CNN, the the alphabet soups of agencies, and even in many cases, Fox, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, are not going to be honest with them. Uh, So what are they going to do? They're going to seek out places that will go out there and challenge those stories. 
you know, and, and chase down those things that they that they are interested in and tell them mm-hmm. the truth. We will do that at Breitbart. We will chase down important stories and report them out uh, and tell our audience the truth. We will never right. lie to our audience. Right. Same uh, thing here. Absolutely. Same thing here at Salem with our with our with our radio shows, as well as our, our town hall and, and red state and others. Speaking of media, if you're just tuning in, we're talking to Matt Boyle from Breitbart uh, and the alphabet media. There was a town hall last night. Um, I didn't watch it because, you know, there was a marathon of Green Acres playing somewhere. Um, but uh, it was it, I, but I'm sorry that I missed it because we saw quite uh, I saw a little highlights today and it was quite the gaff fest last night at, at, at CNN. In spite of the fact that they didn't bother to ask him about uh, Cuomo, um, among other things, even getting the softball questions like, how do you like your cream corn every day? He still has some gaffes. Tell everybody about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, uh, there were a lot of problems with uh, with Joe Biden's town hall last night. So in addition to the gaffes, they include things like praising the Chinese Communist Party uh, and calling, uh, saying about Xi Jinping, the dictator in China, uh, that, uh, quote, he gets it. That's what he said about Xi Jinping. And then trying to explain away Chinese communist genocide of millions of Uyghur Muslims, um, which he did. Uh, yeah, let's uh, stop for a second. That, uh, imagine Trump, who was called uh, who was called Islamophobic for how long? Imagine if he defended said, I'm not going to speak out against uh, against genocide of Muslims in another country. But that's what he did last night. It was like the CCP talking points. But yeah, he, he was just like, look, I, well, you know, I, I, I told him that I oppose it and I, I, he understands why I have to say that. And <laughs> I understand why he does what he does. He was It was worse than just, you know, looking the other way on it. It was explaining it away mm-hmm. uh, as if it's some perfunctory thing for each world leader and that it's normal for them to do what they're doing. Like it's cultural, uh, it's like, like whether, yeah, like it was cultural, like, um, you know, whether or not, you know, you throw beads out on Mardi Gras or something, which is like a cultural norm for us down in Louisiana. Right. I mean, now, yeah, it's not throwing beads out. They're killing people and right. they're like engaged in a mass genocide of millions of people of an entire race and ethnicity. Uh, so, I mean, it's not, it's not. Uh, uh, it, it, there's no like cultural excuse for this, but Joe Biden seems to have found one. I don't mm-hmm. understand how. It doesn't make any logical sense. And again, CNN and uh, Anderson Cooper just let him get away with it. Uh, so in addition to that, he was a mess on the coronavirus pandemic. This was the centerpiece of Joe Biden's campaign. Joe Biden promised the American people that he was going to get this coronavirus pandemic under control. Well, we are now, as of right now, Andrea, we are a month into Joe Biden's administration. It's been a month since the inauguration, four weeks ago today. The coronavirus pandemic is much worse now than it was when Donald Trump was in office. 100,000 people have died in Joe Biden's first month in office. Uh, they do not have the schools open nor do they have any plan to do so. And then Joe Biden lied and claimed that there wasn't a vaccine when he took office and that it somehow magically appeared afterwards. (laughs) The truth is, Joe Biden himself received the vaccine when Donald Trump was the commander-in-chief of these United States. And uh, so did 10, I think close to 20 million Americans that received the vaccine before Biden was even inaugurated. So, so when, well, excuse me for interrupting. So when, he, so when he says this lie, this whopper at a CNN town hall, did Twitter, you know, start throwing some flags over that comment on, on Twitter? Because I'm sure it was tweeted out. Did CNN throw a flag in his face and say, oh, hold up? 
fact-checked him. So CNN themselves actually did, to their credit, they actually did publish a fact-check of Joe Biden's lies last night, uh, their fact-checker, so to speak, Daniel Dale. Uh, But the the Washington Post fact-checker, Glenn Kessler, the guy who gives out the Pinocchios, uh, that guy comes out and says, oh, don't worry, guys, it's, it's not a lie. It's not a lie. It's just a, um, uh, it's just a, a misstep, a verbal misstep by Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't worry, it's not a lie. Uh, so it, it, it was just remarkable the way the media treats him with kid gloves and doesn't actually hold him accountable. Because at this stage of the game, the, uh, the other big thing that he said is, now he's moved the goalpost from they were going to get the pandemic under control in 100 days, which is what he promised mm-hmm. before he was inaugurated. He even promised that during the first week or so of his administration. Now it's, uh, never mind, maybe Christmas. Yeah. Uh. Like, so, uh, again, the moving of that, that target all the way out till then is a significant damper on our ability to get our economy back to work. That's what the commander, his words matter. Him saying yes. Christmas is a big deal uh, so companies out there are going to start making economic decisions based off of that. They're going to hold off on any expansion this year. And it's only going to help empower China. China was the only country in the year last year to grow because of the mm-hmm. pandemic. It stunted U.S. growth and everywhere in the Western world. Um, it's going to happen again under Biden. All these U.S. companies are going to hold off on any mm-hmm. uh, growth and expansion plans because of what Biden said. So there's a lot of other policy things that happened in last night's interview, too, uh, or town hall, uh, things like um, uh, immigration, gun control. I mean, uh, the, uh, uh, but again, I just think the big story here is him trying to whitewash China, uh, uh, genocide in China. Uh, and uh, as well as uh, the, the schools, didn't dictator Xi Jinping, right. and again the mishandling of the pandemic, and as well as the schools, because he had promised to reopen the schools. Because one of the issues going on, this is this is a dual issue. I I think it's not even just about the unions. I think that these lockdown of schools give them a couple of things. They not only please the the unions, and then give the give the unions some some leverage that they can use against uh, against the taxpayers to get things for the Black Lives Matter movement. But it's also a way to keep the businesses. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, suppressed because, you know, how are people supposed to single mothers or others go to, go to work or run a business if they got to stay home with their kid all day? And then to make right. ma- it's a right? general element level of control. The Democrats right. want more control over your life. They don't yes. want you to be able to make decisions for yourself. They want you to have to get permission from a government agent before you're able to make a decision. Whether you send your kids to school, whether you go to work, whether you go to a store, whether you go to a restaurant, they want the government agency to make those decisions for you, not you yourself. And that's dangerous. It's really dangerous what's happening right now. And it's, it, we've seen this power grab at the state level by Democrat governors all last year during the pandemic. And they, uh, and they again, abused it with the way they handled our elections. Uh, and then again, uh, uh, we've seen it um, uh, the, uh, uh, now at the federal level from Joe Biden. And the question is, what the Republicans need to do is they need to make a clear and concise case that they are a better party uh, for standing up for the ability for people to have freedom and choose for themselves. And that's why I think the contrast you see between the failures of Joe Biden's handling of the pandemic with the successes of GOP governors like Ron DeSantis, like Greg Abbott in Texas, like mm-hmm. Christy Nome in South Dakota, 
Florida. And this is why you see the media going after them as hard as they can, even though uh, their, their states are successes and Joe Biden's a failure at the federal level. Chris Cuomo, mm-hmm. or sorry, Ron Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo uh, in New York is yeah. a failure at that level. Gretchen Whitmer, a failure in Michigan. Right. So the Democrat Party has failed with regard to the coronavirus. They've had a month now to try to get it under control, and they've already killed off uh, 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 100,000 people who have already died over right. the course of the, the Biden administration. It's going to continue to get worse right. uh, the longer that the Democrats are in power. Well, you know, hopefully people will feel good about the fact that at least he said, you know what, I love kids more than I love human beings, Matt. Rhetoric is not going to solve your problem. (laughs) Empathy is not going to solve your problem. (laughs) Right. You need is leadership and action and policies that work. And the Democrat policies are failures. Absolutely. All right, Matt Boyle, thank you for being here, everybody. Y'all check out Matt's uh, columns and all the articles on Breitbart. And I thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you, Matt Boyle. Thanks for having me. All right, stay tuned. We got more to come. Uh, I'm still cracking up over that, though. I love kids more than I love human beings. This is like when he said, you know, black people, you know, are just as smart as um, poor. I can't remember what he said about black kids being just as smart as poor kids or just as smart as white kids or something like that. Anyway, stay tuned. We got more Andrea K. Show coming up. More topics to get into. 888-344-1170. If you want to give us a call about anything, including Rush Limbaugh. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show. And like her Facebook fan page at Andrea Kay. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Dynamite and address or just Andrea Kay. Whatever you call her, don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show, 888-344-1170. Thank you to those who were emailing me, sending me comments, who watched me on Newsmax today from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific time. Um, Yeah, there was some Skype issues there, but I appreciate the good comments uh, there. I'm going to be on Newsmax in the morning, 6.35 a.m. It's a good thing I take my balance in nature and I got my energy up and I'm feeling good because I'm not usually up at 5 a.m., which I will have to be in the morning to get ready for Newsmax. Newsmax. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I uh, take my balance in nature, feel stronger uh, than I ever have. I had a little touch of sinus yesterday, but the good news is, is it didn't turn into an infection uh, like it would have in the old days. So we got to keep our energy up because we got to stay in this fight. Uh, that's uh, the, what I'm going to do t- for uh, Rush Limbaugh now that he's gone. I'm going to take this legacy that I've been given thanks to him and others in the conservative movement. I'm going to keep fighting every day. And in order to do that, we got to We got a body, mind and spirit. We got to take care of our, bi- our bodies, physically eat right. I take my balance in nature. Uh, you know, meditate, whatever you need to do to protect your, your spiritual life and your mind and, and stay positive. Um, okay. Uh, follow up on CNN. Uh, by the way, uh, you know, not only did they not ask uh, Cuomo about Cuomo last night, they also didn't bother to tell you viewers. Remember um, the if you watched any of the impeachment last week with President Trump, where oh, the left, those impeachment managers, they got so much praise, right, for the videos that they played. Guess what? Did y'all know? that the video that they played they got from the Antifa guy named John Sullivan but it gets even worse than that because CNN paid John Sullivan $70,000 because before he was arrested remember how he was on CNN 
He was, they paid him. So, so think about this for a second. So CNN, Trump was impeached because he supposedly uh, incited insurrection. CNN, I guess, since they paid an insurrection to $70,000, can actually be correctly accused of paying for insurrection, compensating insurrection. Crazy, isn't it? We don't have media anymore. Can, can you imagine where we would be? I, I heard Rush Limbaugh in, in, uh, somewhere after the election. He continued to prove to us that his talk about hope and, op, and optimism and, uh, was something that he truly believed be, because he, he continued to display that in his fight against cancer. Um, his wife today said that Trump, you know, that Rush would want everybody to know that, that he still believed that the best uh, days for America are, are in the future. Um, and I and I believe that that he believed that, but he's a human being, and he he had his moments. And I actually heard him do a show because I listen to Rush every day, not full three hours, but every day. And I told Skins this before the show that I remembered after the election him doing a show in which he said that he felt that he had failed. He felt that he had failed because it was clear that Biden was going to end up in in the Oval Office. Um, and and now I'm going to add to the list. You know, you look at where we're at, where we've got. Uh, not just Biden in the Oval Office. We've got, you know, Marxist, you know, indoctrination everywhere. Marxist policies taking root. We've got five-year-olds being, you know, recruited into transgenderism. Um, But you know what? Rush Limbaugh didn't fail. You look at all of his contributions and everything that he did in terms of he helped uh, Republicans win uh, the, uh, the majority, win back the House in the 90s for the first time in decades. He was instrumental in Trump winning in 2016. He was instrumental in many office uh, offices and, you know, being one for the Republican. The Republican Party should should have been kissing his, his feet for a long time now. Um, but but we have been failed. And I think we were failed by the Republican Party who didn't who didn't fight against this Mar- cultural Marxist movement, who didn't fight against the indoctrination in the schools. Where would we be if we had had a Republican Party fighting for conservatism? As much as Rush Limbaugh was doing it behind the microphone. I think it would be a completely different ballgame right now. Absolutely. And yeah, you might even see a different outcome of, of the election. I'm just going to say it. Well, completely, completely. They haven't been fighting for us. I hope that Rush Limbaugh, when he passed away, it felt good about himself and the legacy that he left behind because his, he was not a failure. Far from it. The Republican Party failed us. And, and where would we be if we had a Republican Party as well that joined Trump when Trump said that the media, that the media were the enemies of the people? Even Ivanka Trump spoke out against her father over that. Tell me they're not the enemy of the people. When we've got the mainstream media outlets, CNN, paid the insurrectionist Antifa dude $70,000. Who was actually in there? Videotaping. He was next to the woman that had, had he not been on videotape firing people up outside. He went there for the purpose. So of, are they reporting news or are they making news? They're making news. They're actually, we know that they've been, talk about inciting insurrections across this country. For four years, CNN pushed the lie, the, the false narrative that Donald Trump and his campaign and others colluded with the Russians. And more. Where would we be if we had had a Republican Party that had, that had pushed back, had fought for us and fought for conservatism, including pushing back against 
the the propagandist, the Marxist propagandist in the media, we'd be in a very different place. I think some of them are starting to wake up and they realize that they're going to have to save by saving their skins. They're going to have to do the right thing. They're going to have to. If they want, if they want to save themselves, now Mitch McConnell's not going to run for re-election. Dude's too old. I wouldn't be surprised though, because they get addicted when they're there. Because I'm looking at Nancy Pelosi and I'm thinking, good grief, lady, you go can, away. You can barely form a sentence. Don't you have grandchildren? But they get—they're so addicted to power. It's such a drug that they don't want to leave. I think there was a time in which term limits wasn't the best thing for this country, but our Congress people initially ran farms. They were not full-time in D.C. That wasn't their full-time gig. They actually ran businesses. They were farmers. We need to be, we need to be, uh, we need to be looking at term limits, but the problem is it would take these very same legislators to actually, to actually do it, and that's not going to happen. I want to talk a little bit about Texas um, because um, uh, there's a lot of finger-pointing going, going around. Um, Beto O'Rourke and others in Texas are ch- clearly trying to blame the Republican governor for this. And I think that there's um, uh, there is some blame to go to Texas as well. I, I want to read you a couple of things from Dan Crenshaw, who I'm not the biggest fan of him. I think he's I think he's a rhino. Um, but when you look at the that we've got Americans freezing to death in Texas, we got to be asking ourselves what the heck's going on down in Texas with the energy situation. Well, according to Dan Crenshaw, uh, the 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 situation is this that it's that the issue was a mix of oversubsidized wind energy and an underinvestment in gas powered energy so they ended up not having enough of a base load of energy for the massive spike in demand so think about it we have we have had republicans in control of texas for a long time but according to dan crenshaw there was uh, they obviously believed in the climate change hoax in uh, in one aspect in which uh, they believed in global warming because they paid no attention and had no plan in place for uh, any uh, extreme cold conditions, first of all. Um, they accepted too many federal subsidies to, subs- uh, to, to push wind, and um, I don't have time to get into the... the uh, Expense of these wind turbines that freeze over, by the way, and the co- I think it costs like five hundred thousand dollars or something like that to de-ice a wind turbine. The batteries for for these turbines are uh, you know lost uh, so much of their power because of the cold. So we've got all these w- w- you know. Uh, the nuclear power plant, which ended up not, you know, causing a radioactive issue, but the cold shut that down. We didn't have enough natural gas reportedly in Texas as well. So what did they have in Texas that worked and always works? They just didn't have enough of it. Fossil fuel based energy. And so I do think that there's enough blame that should go to some Republicans in charge down there because they didn't do what they needed to do to make sure that there was an emergency plan in place for extreme cold. Just because it's Texas didn't mean it couldn't happen. They took the bait for the wind uh, subsidies when there was no reason to think that a, that uh, that wind, I mean, uh, you know, uh, airplanes are shut down because of extreme cold. Why did anybody think that these wind turbines were going to continue to work? If you want, if you want alternative energies, great. But what you should, what makes sense to me is you make sure that you've got enough fossil fuel gas powered energy to cover you in regard in any of extreme circumstances. And then you start introducing alternative energy. 
You don't have that replaced gas, fossil fuel gas energy, leaving people freezing cold because the federal government wants to give you some money for wind. Shame on any Republicans who took that bait and did this. There should be no American in this country right now. We are coming off complete energy independence. Thanks to President Trump. There's no excuse for why Texans. I heard of a couple today that, that, that uh, they had no power. So they backed their car into their home and the mom died and one of the kids died. And then the father and, and another child is in a hospital. Shouldn't be happening in the United States. We're going to take a break. We come back. We got more to talk about. We got some vaccine information. We got a really ridiculous story. Usually I have Bob Walters on on Fridays to talk about education, but I may have to talk about the the eight areas of um, the eight white identities. I didn't know there was eight white identities. Did you, DJ Potato Skins? No? Stay tuned. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Andrea K, bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. We're going to go right to the phones. Craig is holding. He's got a comment about Rush. Hi, Craig. Hi, Andrea. How are you? Good. Thanks. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I just wanted to relate my story really fast. That uh, I was, I used to listen to Rush uh, when I in college when I was helping my uh, uncle do some housework. He's a contractor, and I, I was always impressed and you know how he presented things and you know kind of woke me up a little bit of what's going on here. And uh, yeah, I went to Germany to play soccer and for a while, and uh, but missed of course the conservative voice there. And uh, but I came came back and of course still listen to him and and uh, just uh, gonna miss him. But I was thinking, you know, uh, it's great that we have great voices like you mm. that'll keep up his work. Um, Larry Elders yeah. and uh, Elder mm-hmm. and uh, so many. Roger Hedgecock, who unfortunately retired, he was one of my favorites. But just so many great conservative. Charlie Kirk. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so they'll continue his work. But for those of, of you guys who are sad out in the audience, I was thinking, you know, make sure you just pray to God and thank God for sending him to help save America. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because, you know, uh, I, that's a great way to end tonight's show because he was I'm grateful for him. He lived in a constant state and, and showed that he was grateful to the listeners and the fans. He was a man who was incredibly humble, who shared his humility when he admitted his his addiction to prescription pain pills. And when he when, you know, he shared, you know, his hearing loss and what he went through with there as well as his divorces. I mean, he just, you know, he shared his life with us and he did it in a humble way. And, you know, he, you know, in a time in which we've got a great corruption and, and grift going on in media as well as in our government, he was somebody that could have used his position for financial gain, but he was incredibly generous. Um, I know so many stories in which, you know, he gave, uh, you know, without, you know, anonymously and just, he just did so much and, and we need to be really grateful for him. And, um, and, and also, you know, I believe I don't I don't really know much about his religious beliefs, but I do believe that he was a Christian. And I think that and we Christians, we believe that that we will um, go be with our Lord and be reunited with our loved ones in heaven. Thank you for being. Thank you for calling in, Craig. I appreciate it. 
Take care and keep up the fight. Thank you. And we love you, Rush Limbaugh. Rest in peace, great man. You will be sorely missed. We'll be back tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Peace out. Love you all.